Think about wow. garments, right? You think about the symbols on the garments, right? You've actually got four symbols, but you have one symbol, one symbol, then you have a repeated symbol. So mm -hmm. it's really three different characters, you might say, okay? So four sacred symbols, two of which are actually repetitions of each other, okay? Now think about the, the sacred name of God in Hebrew, known as the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H in English, yeah. right? Yahweh, okay? So it's actually, it's four oh. characters, but two of them repeat, yeah. okay? The, the H is a repeated symbol, okay? So I would suggest that the garment is actually a, a representation of the sacred name of God. So when what? you're reading the scriptures about taking on us the name of Christ, oh, in the temple, when we put on the garment, we are actually literally doing that. We are taking the sacred name of God and we are clo literally clothing ourselves with it. So we are putting on, we are taking on, we are putting on the name of God. Dude. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, geez. Yeah, okay, cool. I got to tell you right now, I think garments are so much more cool. With that said, I, I really think we do need to make them slightly better fitting, a little bit more accommodating to some <laughs> oh, of the modern. Oh, Carden, I'm sorry. are you listening to anything we said? Foot, I'm six foot six. Oh, I'm six foot six, and if Jesus would allow me to freaking <laughs> wear my garments with a decent pair of board shorts that goes down to my knees, I would really appreciate it. I'm spending money like I just got paid. Hundred dollar bills, tell them keep the change. Come on. The thing that kept Adam and Eve from being roasted alive in the presence of God. Was the actual clothing that Jehovah sewed. And if you're wondering why I move the way I do, I just feel so good. Now our translation says it's a coat of many colors. Okay? And that, as Hugh Nibley rightly pointed out, is a mistranslation. It should not be colors, it should be markings. There's a code of many markings that he gives him. Now, how do you oh. know this? We can prove this using the Bible. Is that not the X logo? Now <laughs> <laughs> look at the left-hand side of it. The following is an episode of Ward Radio and does not represent the thoughts or the opinions of KHTS, its owners, or any of its affiliates, nor does it represent the official opinion of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. So good. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Ward Radio. I'm your host, Cardinalis. I'm joined today in the studio by Kwaku L. Brad, Whitbeck, Jonah Barnes, and Don Bradley. We uh, got an interesting topic here today. Jonah Barnes, the associate professor of all things apocryphal, next to the, what did we call you last time? The proverbial professor of all professed polygamy. Was that oh Don Bradley? Jeez, wow. We got to give you, Brad the Canadian, some kind of really cool alliteration as well. The cool Canadian. The not the conniving ca Canadian because yeah, yeah, the conniving yeah. Canuck. <laughs> yeah, the conniving Canadian. Canuck. Yeah, that'll work. Mm. Whatever your alliteration is, Jonah Barnes, you're bringing us today a gift of a podcast on Dead Sea Scrolls reveal lost doctrine of LDS garments in ancient writ. Uh, so again, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, LDS doctrine is popping up. Defend your thesis, Jonah Barnes. Go. All right. First of all, let's get out in front of this. People in the comments, I know there's a difference between Dead Sea Scrolls, Apocryphal Writings, the Nakamati Library, et cetera, et cetera. Please just chill out. All right, people, <laughs> chill out. Okay? We're using the colloquial term. We're Dead just, sea we're Scrolls just, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so, um, first let's start with some 
images. Okay. So, okay. and I know that, you know, you guys probably have heard of some of this stuff, but maybe our listeners have not. I know Don Like Bradley's. an allegory or what? No, no, that, that garments have been around forever. And oh, never, or and like never. images in the Discord. We got, we got, there's a, two images in the Discord I'd love okay, for you to cool. pull up. Rock the first on. one of them is Egyptian. I stole these shamelessly from Jeff Roundy, who has the channel uh, Mormonism Q&A. Is okay, it called? Cool. Latter-day Saint yeah, Q&A. Yeah, yeah, Excellent okay. channel yeah. on YouTube. Jeff Roundy, yeah. awesome dude. Smart dude. I shamelessly stole these from him. Building the kingdom, Jeff. Building the kingdom. <laughs> but this is, this is just one example of evidence of, um, so if you don't, how do I say this? There's a lot of symbolism in the Latter-day Saint temple as revealed through Joseph Smith. The, and you may recognize this symbolism. And you may recognize some of the symbols here. They are not modern inventions by Joseph Smith. And they're not from the Masons either. They are as old as time itself. So this is an example uh, found in ancient Egypt of a carpenter who is using the, I think those symbols are, that's a square and that, there's the planer's down. blade there mm-hmm. you've got the notched uh you've got the notched wood and then here's some it looks like a, a sarcophagus in the background with yeah this is there's good a little stuff. compass that he's using okay rock so on. some of these symbols will be familiar to people who are blessed enough to to have joseph smith's restored gospel excuse me jesus christ's restored gospel through joseph smith Boom, this is a uh this is medieval artwork from, I think this is actually Justinian era, of the Miracle of the Loaves and the Fishes, uh, Byzantium artwork. And if you notice, this Jesus giving out the loaves and the fishes to everybody, everybody has a marking on their garment. Uh, very interesting and very um, prominent marking on their garment of that same compass that we see in ancient Egypt. Okay, cool. Okay, so, so what we're going to get at here is that Garments anciently and modernly are not just the colors that they have, and they're not just the shapes that they have, but they have markings in them, okay? They're marked, and that's what makes them interesting, okay? Those markings have been around forever, and they are um, supported by ancient documents that we have found. Okay, rattle off, like, which ones, bro? Like, by the way, these apocryphal writings, their titles just get cooler and cooler, but they're also kind of strangely predictable. For example, whenever they build a suburb of Los Angeles in a new high-end community, they always take either north or south, and then the terms point, ridge, or valley, you know what I'm saying? And they just mix and match them. Like, like an oh, I live in North Ridge. Oh, that's funny. I live in South Valley. Oh, that's great. South you know, Ridge. Point. Like, I live in South Point. Oh, that's funny. There was a North Point that I just moved from. They have no other words that they use other than like a direction and then a geographic entity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same goes for the Apocrypha. It's always like, oh, there's always the, it's the lost, whatever. It's always the lost, the lost. And then it's either the gospel of insert obscure figure here who showed up in one of the synoptic gospels. Okay. Or it's always like the acts of insert strange mm-hmm. fe- female character here who is mentioned obscurely mm-hmm. in some text. Okay. Or they call it, um, the lost gospel of, and they name an already existing gospel, but now they give him a cool peg leg, like a pirate, like, oh, <laughs> like, did he miss the blind? You know what I'm saying? Or they say, oh, it's the, did it's not just, the blind? it's just not the normal gospel of Thomas. It's the, the infancy gospel of Thomas. Ah, you know what I'm saying? So, so they either start talking like pirates uh-huh. or they start talking like confused fishermen trying to get their bearings using the stars. Well, those Which, Gnostics. to be fair, those are kind of the same thing. <laughs> 
Uh, yes, <laughs> that's true. That's true. So um, what uh, specific apocryphal writings would you say include many of these references to the garment? Because we had Speedy okay. Dan on here recently talking about yes. Nimrod being the first that sought after the garment and the fact that the original garment might have actually been a garment mm-hmm. that was passed down generationally until finally it was almost so shredded that it was uh, given away for a birthright by Esau and so on and so forth. I'm regurgitating yes. the Oh, the but it keeps going. Horribly, but it keeps going. Okay. Oh, yes. So what apocryphal writings are you gleaning from? <clears throat> the first book of Adam and Eve or the Latin Vita de Adai e Eva or Egyptian also. There's lots. There's Slavonic. There's Greek. Um, but in the first book of Adam and Eve, and this is all open source, you can Google this stuff. Chapter 52 talks about when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. Okay. Now, first of all, Adam and Eve were discovered to be naked. And the, uh, this is according to the apocryphal. It works. And the first that must have thing. That's a bit that, embarrassing. Yeah. The, you know, <laughs> you know, you know hate yeah, when that happens. Was. Oh, Your dad geez. walks in. Yeah. So, um, so the first thing that they do is they sew a, um, an apron to cover themselves. This is what Adam and Eve do for themselves. And uh, uh, the Apocrypha says that it was a fig tree that they took leaves from and they sewed themselves an apron of fig leaves to try to cover their nakedness. And that doesn't work. And so when God and That'd Jesus really Christ... That'd be itchy. You ever yeah. touched a fig leaf? Like, I don't know if I'd want that, you know, restricted my... Right on there. My workflow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As uh, What's Taylor Swift's uh, boyfriend's name? Kelsey, Kelsey. Travis, uh, Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Yeah. You know, Travis Kelsey and his brother have a hilarious podcast where they talk about what it's like hiking a ball to a new quarterback who's kind of afraid to get all up in your business. You know what I'm saying? It's a hilarious YouTube short. I will link to it in the description. But I was just thinking, you know, I mean, tight spandex football pants are hard enough, let alone if they're made out of figs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Guys, Travis okay. Kelsey, Travis Kelsey understands the struggle of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Shoot out. That's what I'm saying. That's what this podcast is really about. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are synonymous, analogous, and almost completely Bingo. spiritually representative oh, man. of her Adam next and Eve album, in the Garden. Her next yeah. album is going to be called The Fall. Wait, are you legit right now? No. That was prophecy. She just, that was, she just won woman, a person of the year. The Time Magazine's person of the year is Taylor Swift. Oh, wow. Rock on. Go it was Volodymyr Zelensky last year. Now it's Taylor Swift. Oh, All right. Quite that's a good act to follow. <laughs> well, you the know? equally wow. serious people. I guess. Equally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So as the story goes, they try these fig leaves and it doesn't work. And so in the Apocrypha and according to rabbinic tradition... Jehovah himself comes down and slays an animal and takes the skins of that animal to sew the garment for Adam and Eve with uh, thorns. He uses thorns, some say horns, as the needle, and he sews them together this garment. Now, there's something very sacred and holy about taking the skin of an animal. An animal's skin is this barrier between veils. This barrier between the mortal realm and the immortal realm, between eternal and and finite. Your skin is what separates you from the world. Your skin is what, you know, clothes you. And so you can take it from an animal and put it on yourself. And so this uh, this garment that was taken for Adam and Eve is from an animal that was that was slewn. Slain. slain. Sla- oh, thank you. That was slain before the before uh, death entered into the world. So this animal was the first thing to die and so it's a big deal to sack the first sacrifice is for this garment right now we know that it was fig leaves do we know what kind of animal this was no a ram uh, good. I don't all, know. All it says is it's animal furry. skin in, in Genesis. Yeah. Ah, okay. Hey, so look, look, Don, 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 you're here for your looks, bro. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just stay in your lane, and yours is the right lane. That's Genesis the slow done. lane. <laughs> the right lane is the slow lane, all right, Don? No, I'm just <laughs> Okay, so anyways, so to speed it up. So that garment goes to Adam and Eve. They pass their garments on down through Noah. Actually, Noah takes the body of Adam and Eve with him on the ark, is how the apocalypse oh. describes it. Yeah, this is, um, this is a book of Jasher. You can look some of that up. Takes it uh, through the flood, and then the garment that Adam had is passed down and it's passed down generation to generation. Uh, goes to Melchizedek, which goes then to Abraham. Okay, Nimrod. We know the story of, of, of Nimrod, who used it to trick the animals. The 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 garment supposedly had the the day that Adam and Eve did this whole thing was the day they were burning incense in paradise, and so the garment smelled like the Garden of Eden. And so people would say, let me smell the air of paradise. And it smelled like paradise. And the animals would smell the smell of paradise and they'd think everything was safe. And that's how Nimrod was a good hunter. Fun fact. Oh. Now, okay. So then that garment gets passed all the way down till it reaches Israel. And Israel gives his coat to Joseph. Mm. Now, our translation says it's a coat of many colors. Okay. And that, as Hugh Nibley rightly pointed out, is a mistranslation. It should not be colors. It should be markings. It was a coat of many markings that he gives him. Now, how do you oh. know this? We can prove this using the Bible. In the Bible, oh. we look it up. You can look this up. When they say Joseph is dead, what do they do? They bring back to Israel a piece of his garment. And Israel's blind. How the heck would Israel know if it's his son's garment if he's blind? Oh, he feels yeah. it. He feels the markings in he it. He feels the markings mm-hmm. and he goes, that is Joseph's garment. I know it is because he can feel the markings in the garment. So that garment is what, yeah, I know, is what Joseph really had. That was the coat of many colors. It's actually the coat of many markings. Okay. And we all translate that wrong. And that comes from Al, Al-Tabari, Al-Tabari which is a, a Jewish sect living out in Persia. And that was a tradition that passed down from them about the details of the garment. So you only have three pictures in the Discord with one screenshot of Mark for 14. Yet so far you have quoted Al-Hara <laughs> or whatever, uh, the, uh, seven different apocrypha. Bro, we should be like looking at seven parchments here and you're just wigging this off the top of your mind. Well, I mean, I don't have the parchments, but I mean, I can I can start throwing stuff in the Discord. Look, look, I would call you almost <laughs> as smart and, and retentive in all of your facts is Don Bradley, except if you're sitting next to him and I already promised I wouldn't do that. No, this, <laughs> so, is, this <laughs> contrast know, is stark. Yeah. So anyway, keep going. This but here's is incredible. The, so here's the part where it comes down to us, okay? In Hebrew, they don't have a word for atonement. They don't have it. Stop it with the whole at one moment. Ugh. Every time I hear that, I just can't stand that word. At one moment is not a word. Knock it off. Okay? It doesn't translate from anything. There is no at one minute in Hebrew or in Greek. The Greek word is recompense or to buy back something to spend the money for it. Okay. But in Hebrew, there isn't a word for atonement. The word, if you know the holiday Yom Kippur, anybody know Yom Kippur? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yom Kippur is the day of atonement, right? Mm. Yeah, Kippur yeah. is actually not atonement like we think of it. It means the day of covering. Kafar is the old Hebrew word it comes from, kafar. Okay? Oh, because the letter P and F are almost the same. They mutate. Yeah. They mutate. Yeah. So in ancient Hebrew, it was kafar. So the thing that kept Adam and Eve from being roasted alive in the presence of God was the actual clothing that Jehovah sewed from this animal skin and put on them. That clothing was a barrier between God's glory and their mortality. That skin, that garment covering. And so... Our Hebrew uh, 
the, the Hebrews thought of atonement not in terms of you get to buy back this thing, but in terms of you need to cover your shame, cover your guilt before God. That's how you do it. Now, that word also mutated to mean to blot out, to blot out your sins. Okay, you get some of that blotting out of your sins, or you get the blood of the lamb falling and blotting out on the Ark of the Covenant. It blots out the sins of the people. Okay, it covers the sins of the people, so it isn't visible before God. So, kafar, that's what you're actually, uh, people we get made fun of for our magic underwear, uh, when they're the weird ones who don't have any kind of a, a sacred garment. But the ancients knew that garments had that sacred power and that the true meaning of the temple garment is the atonement. There is no atonement on its own. The atonement of Jesus Christ is the garment of Jesus Christ. It's the covering he gives us to mediate between the glory of the Father and our mortality. It keeps us from being roasted. Mm. That's where. And so it's a symbol of Christ. It's a symbol of the fall. It's a symbol of all of these things. That's awesome. Well, picking out bullets in a foxhole ain't nothing because this (laughs) thing can handle radioactive plutonium. Right. From the from the cosmos. So actually the 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 uh, apron is a symbol of the fall. The uh, uh, the kafar, the garment covering is a symbol of our atonement of the redemption is that Christ made it, Christ is between God's glory and ours, and he's saying, mm. don't roast these guys, and he sews the garment for us, and that's what keeps us. So if we are Jesus Christ's people, if we believe in the atonement, and if we want to return to paradise and withstand God's glory, we wear the garment as a reminder that we fell and that Jesus Christ is our only our only way back to paradise. Boys and girls, wow. that's the story. So, the, okay, the fact that we have temples in modern times is something wholly unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's it's so, and it's so beautiful as well. Well, Epstein had and, a temple. Uh, <laughs> whoa. Oh, wait. Whoa. Sorry, different kind. Oh, yeah. Whoa. It, sorry. I don't know about that one, you know. Bill Clinton couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> dude, you're a savage. Sorry, sorry. Oh, you're She's a savage. Flagged. But anyway, um, no joke. In modern times, I always thought it was one of the most beautiful things because the, the ancient faiths, if there's any better proof that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in its modern iteration is the restoration of the original church. It's a fact that we're the only faith that really professes temples. Catholics come close with cathedrals because, you know, they really do mm-hmm. believe that, okay, cool, we're going to build a big, massive cathedral, and, and, and that's a bigger deal than a chapel and so and on. Some and some orthodox, forth. some orthodox Christians too. Yeah, yeah, some orthodox Christians do as well from other, you know, um, orthodox faiths outside of United States of America. But here, really mm-hmm. within North America with our Protestant background, there's it, it, the, the, the apostasy, the great apostasy, so much was lost. And temple worship, and even the very concept of temples themselves are, are just something that, that I think the rest of Christianity has no idea it's missing out on. Hmm. So um, that's my piece. Before I go any farther, just like I used to have a probation officer that would follow me around, Don, I put you next to Jonah. Oh, gosh. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I put you next to Jonah. I'm nervous. You're like his historical probation officer. Has he said anything Sweating out of his bullets. lane? Has he said anything where your historian's bells and your smart person, Mormon scholar, historian? brain is going like whoa whoa you need to slow down there turbo (laughs) i would just add things basically well add add away bro that's why we got you here so first what uh jonah's not disclosing is that he actually went to the dead sea right where these scrolls were found and he determined that these scrolls people are thinking they're scrolls he was like wait a minute 
this fits on my arm. This fits oh, on my other arm. Yeah. These aren't scrolls. These are garments. They're garments. Yeah. Oh. That's how he's done it. Uh, I would Instead also of saying have... he's going to the gun show, you're like, he's going to the garment show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the, the garments of many markings. Uh, so um, uh, also, so I don't know. I mean, I know in recent years, the church actually put pictures of the garments on their website mm-hmm. and like, there's been more open discussion about what the garments look like and different things about the temple. I'm not sure how much detail I should or shouldn't give here, so I'm going to be vague somewhat. So people who've been through the temple or familiar with the garment sure. should be able to piece this together in their own heads. I'd rather just like actually literally sketch it out here and show it, but um, do this in your head. Okay, so... Um, you know, we're talking about the compass and square as ancient symbols. You know, we see them in ancient Egypt. We see them in early Christian depictions. We also see them in ancient China. Mm. There are yeah, depictions right. of like the male and, the and female, in, 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 intertwined male and female creator gods. One of them is holding uh, on one side the compass and the other, in the other hand, the square. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so these are compass and square are architectural tools. That they used to create the world is the idea, and right? so these are okay, yeah. that that symbol I believe goes back to like thousand two thousand BC or yeah. something. The Chinese one, and the, you know we have these in ancient Egypt as well. These are very ancient symbols. I just threw I just threw the Chinese one in the Discord. Oh, okay, sweet. Okay, awesome. awesome. Whoa, so, wait, wait a freaking minute. <laughs> have you wait, seen? You recognize the hermetic symbol? No, no, no. Go back to the no? picture you just posted. This one, right? No, here, no, no, right? no, 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 no. The other one. Oh, the other this one. This is the ancient Chinese one. No, no, no. One. The compass. The compass. This one right there. Is that not the X logo? <laughs> <laughs> no, look at the left hand side of it. It's literally that's the that's the new Dude. X Twitter logo. Oh, it's half of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what does Elon know? Oh my gosh! Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Show it again. Put if two put two X's together. Yeah, put two of them together. Here. Yeah. Wow! Look at that. Did we just discover Elon <laughs> Musk's public? Annunciation of fealty <laughs> to the secret order that hid the Constitution behind Mount Rushmore <gasps> on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Dude. So now, as you start getting into that, actually, I, oh. I found something really fascinating. Where uh, th- there are people who get very disturbed by uh, the ch- possible connections between Joseph Smith and Masonry, right? Okay. And they'll say like all of this just comes directly out of Masonry, right? But as you've just heard from Jonah Barnes. This symbolism predates Masonry by a long, long, long time. shot. Long time. Yeah. And I would even argue that the way that Joseph Smith used this symbolism in the current uh, LDS temple endowment that we have now, the way he is putting that together kind of better matches the way that it used to be used, right? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's more, like the symbolism, we view it a little differently than Masons do. And oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a really important thing, especially when you start looking through. Uh, Jonah has done a ton of work on this with the Apocrypha. There are all sorts of apocryphal references to things that are in the temple ceremony. This is a ton. This is not something that Joseph Smith just lifted out of masonry. This is like an ancient practice. Now, if right. somebody were really familiar with this stuff, and I keep waiting for this to happen. Like when we posted those garments online that the church was was showing what temple garments looked like. I keep waiting for some scholar who should be familiar with this stuff to say, wait, what? Joseph just made that? Like he came up with that? Because it's all over the ancient world. Yeah. You know? So um, an aside before I go back to what I was saying uh, about this. So, 
in my book, the lost 116 pages reconstructing the Book of Mormon's missing stories. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Is it? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Do you mean this book? That, that Ooh, you got right there. Hard it, it cover. Was lost, Cardin. Oh, yeah. Like, Flexing his hard okay. cover on us. So, um, it, the first part of it talks about the history of the lost pages, the second part, the history in the lost pages. So, in the history of the lost pages, coming forth of the Book of Mormon and so on. So I have an account uh, where someone interviewed Justice Smith Sr., and he actually said that the implements of masonry, as known to Masons in his day, were on the top plate of the golden yeah. plates. Oh, yeah. Well, the implements of masonry, the primary ones, are the compass and the square, which in every Masonic lodge, on the altar of the lodge, there's a sacred book, usually the Bible, with a compass and square on top of it. Not a coincidence, right? So mm. um, if you think about— wow. Uh, garments, right? You think about the symbols on the garments, right? You've actually got four symbols, but you have one symbol, one symbol, then you have a repeated symbol. So mm. it's really three different characters, you might say. Okay. So four sacred symbols, two of which are actually repetitions of each other. Okay. Now think about the, the sacred name of God in Hebrew, known as the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H in English, yeah. right? Yahweh, okay? So it's actually, it's four oh. characters, but two of them repeat, yeah. okay? The, the H is a repeated symbol, okay? So I would suggest that the garment is actually a, a representation of the sacred name of God. So when what? you're reading the scriptures about taking on us the name of Christ, oh, dude. What? in the temple, when we put on the garment, we are actually literally doing that. We are taking the sacred name of God and we are clo literally clothing ourselves with it. So we are putting on, we are taking on, we are putting on the name of God. Dude. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got to tell you right now, I think garments are so much more cool. With that said, I, I really think we do need to make them slightly better fitting, a little bit more accommodating to some <laughs> oh, of the modern. Carden, like, I'm sorry. Are you listening to anything I'm we said? Foot, I'm six foot six. Oh, I'm six foot six. And if Jesus would allow me to freaking <laughs> wear my garments with a decent pair of board shorts that goes down to my knees, I would really appreciate it. So I don't look like I'm snowing while I'm surfing out there after work. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Without having to make a really ignominious trip to the bathroom okay you know <laughs> I, I i'm not trying to make jesus more convenient but it, it would be nice if he did us all the solid there all right <laughs> so if people in the church office building will talk well this honestly, we'll talk, okay? honestly though, this has changed the way that i that i wear my temple garments when i when i when i discovered this and read about this and i thought this is the atonement at one minute doesn't mean it isn't from anything it's just an english you know thing that we make up but kafar the covering the garment that's truly ancient and beautiful, and it's changed the way I wear my And hair. the last thing I'll say before we got a heart out here, unfortunately, in 30 seconds, is I was actually asked to speak at a um, a young kid in our ward's baptism actually said, hey, can, can Brother Ellis be the speaker at my baptism? I was totally flattered because wow. there's only two people who completely tell the truth, and if they think you're cool, <laughs> you're cool. Really young kids, because they will just tell you. If they think you're something you're wearing looks stupid, they'll tell you. If they think something's cool, they'll tell you. Like, they, out of the mouth of babes, they speak truth, right? And Quaku. Yeah, well, and Quaku most days, we'll right? tell you. <laughs> but also old men. Those old men that are not afraid to wear a Speedo to the pool and just be like, you don't like it, deal with it. Mm -hmm. They'll tell you whether something's cool or whether that, that thing sucks, right? So the fact that that kid asked me to speak at the baptism, I was very flattered. And the thing that I brought up was I said, 
as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, because baptism is so common among us as a rite of passage and an ordinance, we sometimes forget how cool and deeply symbolic it is. You are participating in a 2000 plus year yeah. old ritual that mm-hmm. connects you to St. Thomas, to uh, Aquinas, to the, the founding fathers, yeah. to Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, the people martyred, St. Ignatius was baptized and went through the exact same ritual you did. This is a beautiful thing. And, and you are one with, with, with the martyrs, the early Christians, the apostles and everybody that came before you by doing this, if not just by, by completing this sacred act that they did also. So anyway, la- any final thoughts, F- five second thoughts, anything else we missed before we go? Everything you said is the same with your garment. You're participating in something that goes back to the beginning of time. And maybe before that. That's awesome. I'm taking it more seriously now, too. For this and more, guys, please check us out on our website at wardradio.com. You are listening to FM 98.1 and AM 1220. KHTS. We'll see you in the next program.